I'm Michael Sean Harris, and you're listening to Mike's Moment Of, a weekly podcast in which I, along with my guests, share our various interests in moments of inspiration, truth, life, technology, culture, and more. I hope you're entertained and informed, and that you feel inspired to join me again and again in my Moments Of. Welcome to another episode of Mike's Moment Of, and this for this episode, I'm speaking with a very good friend of mine who I haven't seen in quite a while. A long We're time. Together. Yeah, <laughs> a very long time. <laughs> Used to sing together all the time, uh, and his name is Mark LaQuesta, and he's presently at uh, Interlochen, mm-hmm. uh, but we're going to talk about that. But Mark, how are you doing, my friend? Mike, I'm great. Everything is beautiful here in northern Michigan. There's a balmy 82 degrees today not a cloud in the sky that's wonderful excellent excellent mm-hmm. oh man how how have you been i mean it's been a while i've 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 kind of kept in touch with you on facebook mostly now and then right um but right. you spent quite a bit of time in nashville after berkeley right yeah actually um after you and i went to school together um in boston i moved straight to nashville and just dove in to the music industry, and then 21 years later, um, <laughs> I took a job up here in northern Michigan as the director of their music production and engineering program. So we're building it from scratch. All the curriculum is um, I'm I'm creating it. Um, well, I created about half of the curriculum this last year, and I'll just still be working on it. Um, okay. As I go, yeah. But um, yeah, so, yeah, there was a lot of things going on in between Berkeley and here. Um, right. Twenty-one years in the music industry in Nashville is a lot. <laughs> so how, how did you? Well, all right. So let's let's go back to Berkeley. Like, what did you study at Berkeley? So when before I went to music school, I didn't really know what I was going to study. I just knew that. So I had gone through pre med. I was I. I have a degree in biology. I don't know if you knew that about me. I didn't know that. That's, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a degree in biology from Kenyon College, and everyone in my family is in the medical industry. My dad's a doctor. My mom's a nurse. My older sister's a doctor. My younger sister's a doctor. So everyone assumed that I was going to be a doctor. But um, yeah. after I went through all that, I really didn't want to go to medical school. So um, mm. I told my parents, and they said, why don't you take a year off to think about it? And then after that year, I said, I want to go to music school. I want to be in the music business. And my dad, so, I think his his actual words were like, you should take another year to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he, he's broken. What, what, what happened? Uh, so, but, but were you in? Were you doing music before that? Like, how did you come to music after you know, doing I, biology? And- I was just singing a little bit here and there. Like, I was in a singing group at my at Kenyon College. Um, uh, an acapella singing group. Where is that college? It, it, Kenyon College. It's in the middle of Ohio. It's in Gambier, okay. Ohio. Okay. And um, I loved it. I I found that I loved music. I also was in a group called the Chamber Singers conducted by Dr. Benjamin Locke, and he really taught me a lot about music. And it was those two experiences put together that made me want to do music, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do in music. I just decided music was my my star, um, right. And I just decided to follow it. In fact, I, yeah, I had a, a good friend who told me I should just follow my star. And so oh, that's what that's I did. Cool. I just I just went to Berkeley and I didn't know what I was going to do. <laughs> that's amazing. Were you, were you born in, in Ohio? No, I was born in Washington, D.C., but I, w- I grew okay. up in Ohio. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, um, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Go ahead. I, I ended up going to Berkeley and um, I didn't want to be... Um, I I knew I didn't want to be a full-time performer, um, okay. but I did take a lot of vocal performance classes, but my major was music production and engineering. Okay. So, okay. MPNE. So who, who, who were the, the, the teachers there who had the, the biggest impact on you, you think? Oh my goodness. Well, the two, my two all-stars were Carl Beatty and Mitch Benoff. Those two taught me mm-hmm. so much, um, 
And also, I will say that um, singing-wise, um, uh, Donna McElroy and Larry Watson taught me a whole lot awesome. yeah. of things. Those two. But um, yeah, production and engineering-wise, um, Carl Beatty is a legend. Um, yeah. He's worked on so many different things from the B-52s to Kiss to Luther Vandross, you know, so mm-hmm. many different things. Um, and he um, has and continues to be my mentor even now. Um, and then Mitch Benoff um, really kind of taught me the creative side of things, um, how to bring creativity to a very technical field. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I mean, Donna was my voice teacher as well when I was there. Oh, yeah. So we she, were there when she first came. <laughs> that's right. That's when I just, I mean, we started together. and You know, I, I started with her. That, that semester I, I got there uh, was her first semester as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she was, yeah, and it was amazing. I, you know, it was interesting because her career arc and my career arc are somewhat similar. She had zero, um, like, official teaching experience before she jumped in. She had a Grammy uh-huh. nomination, but she didn't have any teaching experience. <laughs> right. right, So, right. Um, and I was the same way when I when I took this job at Interlock, and I also did not have any formal teaching experience. But mm-hmm. um, I feel that um, it's if you if your heart is in the right place for teaching and you have a lot to give to the students, then it comes naturally. I think. Yeah, and 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 if you've had great teachers and you have, you know, I think somehow that you're going to translate that as well. Um, oh, absolutely. I use lessons that I learned in Berkeley every single time I teach. Yeah, me too. Um, and, it, and not just production and engineering lessons. It could also be like when to talk, when not to talk, how right. to diffuse a tense situation. Yeah. Berkeley taught me a ton. Yeah. Life lessons, man. That's great. Absolutely. So, so what was your, like when you went to, to Nashville, what was your entry point, your entry job? Okay, so when I was, uh, well, actually, right before I went to Nashville, um, I was planning on going to New York City, actually. After Berkeley, I wanted to go into hip-hop, R&B, that kind of music. That's a music that I really loved. Oh, okay. um, but um, my my mom was having like heart palpitations, and so I wanted to be close to my family. Um, okay. And Nashville is a six hour drive from my parents' house in Ohio. So I decided to work in Nashville. Um, and I, I asked around and I found, um, there's a, um, and there's a staff engineer at soundstage studios named Chris Davey, mm-hmm. who was, um, you know, who, who had done a whole bunch of work in Nashville. And he was a friend of mine from Kenyon. Okay. Actually, one of my Kenyan friends was friends with him. And so I had that connection. I got an internship at Soundstage, and I had an internship at Sony Publishing. Um, and then from those jobs, I got into night management at Quad Studios, and I worked my way up to assistant engineer, to intern coordinator, to staff engineer at Quad. Okay. And then I worked as a staff engineer for a couple years. Um, yeah. Okay. Maybe around what, 2002, 2003, somewhere, somewhere around there. Okay. What was the, the kind of music mostly that you were encountering in Nashville? Was it mostly country? You know, I'm, I think I've told you before that Jamaica is a big, like the people here love country. Oh, uh, I did country not music. know that. Really? Oh yeah, I grew up listening to Dolly Parton and and uh, Kenny Rogers, my mother's favorite, and um, <laughs> you know uh, Loretta Lynn. All these like that. That's what my father listened to. Like, oh. Wow. Every day. Yeah, so, well, they're all amazing. I mean, you know, I've seen Loretta in concert, and um, I've worked with Kenny and yeah. um, and uh, Dolly I met once. Um, okay. But they're all just amazing, amazing songwriters and amazing okay. voices, too. Um, yeah. But, yeah, as far as your question goes, I would say um, the, most of the music that I worked on at that time was either country or Christian music. At that time, Nashville's music diversity wasn't as, it wasn't as diverse as it is now. Okay. Um, yeah, it was It was definitely the country music hub, Americana music, bluegrass, mm. and Christian. Um, although, when I was an intern at Soundstage, I did, um, I did meet Pink while she was recording her first album. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I didn't make a very good impression. 
And she was Oh really? What happened? Tell me the tell me was, this. can you can you tell the story? Oh yeah. She was she was sitting there, she was a teenager, you know, and she was doing her record. I think I don't know who I can't remember who she was doing it with, but um she was dressed head to toe in pink. She had pink hair, pink hat, pink shirt, <laughs> pink jacket, pink pants, pink uh shoes, everything was pink. Right. And um I said, Hi, I'm Mark. You know, she was sitting in the lounge waiting and she said, Hi, I'm pink. And I said, I see that. <laughs> and she rolled her eyes and walked out of the room. Oh. And that is yep, that's the first and last time I ever talked to Pink. It's <laughs> <laughs> a funny story though. <laughs> it's kind of, uh, I guess I offended her. Well, but well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But you know, when when people are starting out, you don't know who's going to make it and who's not going to make true, it. True. 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 And also, I didn't really think that that was offensive. I just I, it really it, it really wasn't. I mean, yeah. she was head to toe in pink. Come on. Right. So. Right. <laughs> so. I love pink. I think she's great. Yeah. Pink, me too. if you're out there listening, you're you're awesome. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I pissed you off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, to 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 talk about Kenny one just one more time. I'm sure we'll get to more stories about him. Like he uh, he he'd come and give concerts in Jamaica. They'd bring him to to do concerts here, and every time he came, they were sold out. Sometimes he'd come more than once in a year. Oh um, man, yeah. And there there are some even older uh, country <laughs> artists. Skeeter Davis. I don't know if you've you've heard of her. Um, um, I have, but I you know, I'm sad to say, even after all that time in Nashville, yeah. I yeah. Well. Know. She they they brought her for a concert and she was in tears on stage because the whole audience they were singing her hits and these were hits from like thirty forty years ago. Oh my but, you goodness! You know, everyone in the audience was singing along with her and she 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 was in tears. Oh, that is serious. <laughs> that yeah. is serious. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah, like yeah. to go to Jamaica one day. No oh, one will know to. any. No one will know any of the songs I've written, but that's okay. <laughs> I just want to go. Yeah, <laughs> just want to go. So. Eat. Did you um, how how did it feel being being in Nashville? Where, where did you have? Were there many of your friends from Berkeley there? Zero. Were you working with any of them? Well, oh actually, gosh. I'll tell you, I had two friends there from Berkeley. Um, one was um, my best friend Ruby Amanfu. Yes, I remember Ruby was there. Um, and the day I pulled into Nashville, she, you know, Ruby is a tiny, tiny woman, and yeah, but a powerhouse. She, she yeah powerhouse she her and i we dragged a um uh, a full size futon up three flights of stairs so oh. yeah <laughs> it, was, it was me her and brooke fox was there oh brooke was there oh nice i was yeah. in the concert choir with brooke yeah. yeah brooke brooke is wonderful too brooke ended up moving from nashville because nashville's public transportation was so bad and you know brooke is legally blind so right, she right. relied on public transportation in order to just get around but mm-hmm. the public transportation in nashville was was and continues to be awful so okay. yeah she just she ended up moving to new york and doing great in new york okay yeah. awesome awesome and ruby ruby stayed in nashville of course she's had an illustrious career with uh, written with Jack White and Beyonce, and oh, yeah, uh, nice. she sang backgrounds with Jack White and Hozier, and she just had a Grammy nomination for Song of the Year this year with her for um, uh, "Stuck Between Your Love and a Hard Place." Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, oh, so she was. That's yeah, great. she was. She was up for her and her her husband Sam Ashworth were up for three of the top five the big Grammys. Amazing! Amazing! Yeah. Wow! Congrats, Ruby. Wow, I know, wow. Ruby. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. So. Okay, so for, so Nashville. I mean, what were some of the the high points? Like some of the the things that because you've left it now. I mean, what were some of the things that will stay with you forever? Right. <laughs> you know. Well, um, one of the big things that will stay with me forever is how much it changed um, from the time I was there to the time that I left. So in when I way? arrived, well, when I arrived there in, in ninety eight, September of ninety eight. It was, um, it felt, it still felt like a really small town. Um, it was not diverse at all and you could feel it. It, it Mm -hmm. was not nearly as cool as it is now. Um, in fact, like when I was working on music row, people would, I was referred to as the Asian people would be like, have you worked with the Asian yet? (laughs) Have you worked? Asian. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there was only one Asian person working. Um, (laughs) 
eventually there were some some others that that came through um um Kazri is is the do you know Kazri? Kazri Arai so. and and um Melissa Mathis came in like a mm. and um great great engineers um okay. and Kazri was actually she was the assistant for George Massenberg for a whole lot, for a long time oh, nice. but they ended up coming um and some more um Asian uh, people started coming. It got more diverse after 9-11. Okay. Yeah, we got a lot of people from New York, and then um, mm. a bunch of people from L.A. moved to Nashville once they realized that pop was being done in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and then um, the city itself changed from being this kind of really small town to uh, a metropolis, really, with, like, real, traf- real traffic problems and, like, crime problems and um, – oh. Uh, it was not all of the change was good, but it was definitely distinct. Um, Why do you think it grew so so quickly and in that way? There, well, one of the things was that um, I think that a big part of it was East Nashville um, was uh, East Nashville was like full of all these musicians, right? It okay. was um, not just country musicians, but rock musicians and. Um, then it kind of got around, like when people would visit East Nashville, they would be like, oh my goodness, Nashville is way cooler than I thought it was. Um, and then, um, that started spreading around. People would start visiting. Like I know that, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow visited and bought a house here and started blogging about Nashville. Um, there was a TV show (laughs) called Nashville that was on ABC that really, you know, brought a lot of, um, attention to the city and, Um, what else? There was also something else. Um, there were, I mean, there were just a lot of, um, we, we got a lot of positive press out of New York. Like, um, the New York times ran articles saying that Nashville was a hip city, GQ, Esquire. And, okay, and then all of a sudden it just, it it got to the point where like a hundred people were moving to Nashville a day. (laughs) That'll do it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So you you said you worked with um you worked with 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 Kenny how was how was that? That was actually pretty early in my career. Okay, um, I was an assistant engineer, and he was coming in to put vocals on all of his songs for the album. There you go. Uh, wait, uh, there you go again. I think it was called. Okay. And um, you know there are all these people that were coming to visit, but he was very um, he 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 really was just interested in talking to anyone. And so he sat down and started talking to me and he saw me like I was eating like ramen or something for dinner. (laughs) Yeah. And he was like, that stuff's bad for you. I'm going to buy you dinner. So he ended up buying me dinner every single night of (laughs) the recording session, which was two weeks. And so every, every night for two weeks, Kenny and I had dinner together, just me and him. We would just talk about stuff so cool. Yeah, it was pretty amazing because, and I I told this story on um, social media because I love it. But yeah, he was. Um, it was when the uh, Atkins diet was first starting. Right, right. So every dinner we had steaks. He would get these <laughs> huge steaks, and now they came with like a biscuit, and they also came with like baked potato and stuff. And so he'd right. finish his steak, and he'd say, "You know, Mark, I'm just gonna." take a bite of this biscuit. <laughs> so he'd take a bite of it. Pretty soon it was gone. He's like, maybe just a, maybe just a spoonful of this mashed potato. <laughs> and, and then he just ate the whole thing. And then he just look at me. He's like, Oh, I guess I'll, guess I'll start again tomorrow. And that, ha- that happened for two whole weeks. Oh, uh, that's funny. That's but funny. yeah, the, the whole time we were eating, he was just talking to me about normal, normal things, you know, my family, yeah. where I came from, where I went to school, what kind of music I liked. Um, and he was, yeah, just a terrific, terrific guy. It was a real, it was a real loss when he passed away just recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's yeah. good, good, good stories, good memories there. I know. You know, I, I should tell you, Mike, that um, going back to Carl Beatty, Carl, yeah. when we were going to school at Berkeley, he said, yeah, you'll get paid to do this job, but the best thing that comes out of being in the music industry are your stories. <laughs> and he was absolutely right. He's absolutely right. It's made me, I think, 
a, a pretty interesting conversationalist. Right. right. Um, and um, I've had a bunch of experiences that I know I never would have been able to have if I wasn't in music. So, mm-hmm. Carl, you are right. <laughs> <laughs> or what else about about Nashville um, comes to mind as a as you a know, high point? Everyone talks about Nashville as being a friendly a friendly town, mm-hmm. and they're right. I mean, it is a really, really, really friendly town. I, I bought a house in East Nashville, and, mm. um, you know, I lived there for almost twenty years in that house. And after I, when I moved to come up here to Northern Michigan, I knew every single one of my neighbors on my street um, and on the next block by their first name. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we knew each other really, really well. It was a close-knit community, and um, it was definitely the kind of neighborhood where if you needed, like, a cup of sugar, you'd just, like, walk outside and knock on your neighbor's door, um, and they would give you a cup of sugar. It was... Oh, that's cool. That's sweet. Yeah, it's a beautiful city in that sense. It, the friendship or the the kindness that people in Nashville put on is not a joke. It's not... It's not a um, a pretend thing. It really, really is the friendliest place I've ever lived. Wow, cool, cool. How, so, is that where you started your your chili chili cookoff? Yes, <laughs> I started my <laughs> chili cookoff there. That's a funny story too. I started it because I was an intern at the studio at at Soundstage Studios, and I didn't have any money. And I thought if I have a chili contest. Um, people will bring all their chili. They won't be able to finish it, and then I'll, I'll store it and freeze You'll it. Have leftovers, and I'll have leftovers. And you know what? It worked. <laughs> it, it worked every single year. And we, you know, last year we had our twentieth and last uh, chili wow. contest. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's how the chili contest started. And when we finished, it was the longest running chili contest in in Nashville. Actually. Oh wow! Awesome, awesome. Yeah. How, how how big did it get? Like, how many people would 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 be involved? Was it just the neighbors, or no, no? At the largest, it at the largest, it was about a hundred and twenty five people that would show up. And wow. I had a small, um, you know, our our yard was maybe about a fifth of an acre, so it was not a terrifically big yard, but we had a lot of great people show up. Um, I will also say though that we had a lot of friends that were artists, um, okay. painters, uh, photographers, writers, um, uh, and musicians. So mm-hmm. it was very arts heavy. Um, okay. Yeah, we had. In fact, Ruby has won the chili contest a number of times. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's. That's. Um, I'm. I met um, songwriter Warren Pash. At a coffee mm-hmm. shop, uh, he's the guy that wrote "Private Eyes" for Hall and Oates. Oh, and nice! I, and uh, as just while I was leaving our conversation, I said, "Hey, I have this chili contest. You ought to show up." And he was a very faithful attender of our chili contest for years. Oh, okay. So great. yeah, there's just a lot of great and super talented people that would show up to this thing, and it, it was always oh, a blast. Nice, nice. So is, was it while you're, while in Nashville that you started you started your family? Like you you, you met your 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 wife in yes. Nashville. Yeah, my wife is from McMinnville, which is about an hour and a half outside of Nashville. Okay. And she's an interior designer. She had her she she was working for an interior designer, and then um, after we started dating, she started her own business, which was very successful. Nice. Um, and then um, two years ago, uh, my daughter Sunday was born. Right. And um, and then a year after she was born, this job opportunity opened up here in northern Michigan, and I oh. applied to it, and and here I am at this wonderful so, school. So, um, how did you hear about this 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 job at Interlochen? So it, it's interesting. Um, I actually, you know, I was just fine. Um, I was working as a freelance recording engineer and mixer in Nashville, but um, I decided that I needed something a little bit steadier if I was going to take care of this kid and make sure that she had everything that she needed. And so I just put feelers out 
I applied to three jobs. Um, the first job was a professorship at Indiana. I applied to them all at the same time. Okay. They were all engineering jobs. Um, the first one was a, um, a professorship at Indiana University. The other one was the interlocking job. And the third one was to be chief audio engineer at Discovery Channel Europe. Which, okay. Which, which would have um, meant that we would have had to move to Amsterdam. Wow. Okay. Um, and, you know, I've always loved Amsterdam. I've, I've enjoyed my time there. And I thought, oh, you know, that might be a nice place to raise a kid, mm-hmm. um, you know, free health care and everything. Um, right. The When um, after um, a short amount of time, I heard back from Indiana and they were like, oh, we're not interested. And okay. then um, I heard back from Interlochen and they said, hey, we'd like to interview you. And uh, I went up for the interview. I just actually, I found it online. I was searching for jobs every single night. Um, it, and this was one of the first ones that came up and I applied for it. Um, and I got the interview. And uh, when I came up to Northern Michigan, I fell in love with the school. I fell in love with the um, dedication and the talent of the, the students it's a high school, by the way. I don't know if uh, if yeah. those of you who aren't familiar with Interlochen, it is a um, private high school where about 15% of the world's symphony players come from. <laughs> it is amazing. They either go to school here or they go to camp here. And um, okay. it is a really wonderful music school um, in, located in the woods between two lakes. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's hence interlocking. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, but so um, I know that Camille Colatosti is, is there as well. Now I know oh, from, yes. from Berkeley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and then she she changed jobs and went to interlocking. Yes, um, she is awesome. She's she's, she's amazing. She yes. is an amazing amazing boss. I don't know what I would do if she wasn't here. I wouldn't. <laughs> it would be, I can't picture myself having another boss. You know for. For working for yourself for 21 years, basically, like, you know, like, I mean, I was interning, but since 2003 for, for about 19 years. Yeah. Well, about, well, sorry, 17 years, 17 years. I haven't really had a boss. I've just been working for myself. And so I was a little bit worried about jumping back into this because I didn't know how I would handle having a boss, but Having mm-hmm. Camille as a boss is awesome. You know, how do you, tell me how you know Camille? Well, so because I I went to uh, Berkeley Valencia to 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 do the masters to do a masters in music technology, uh-huh, uh, yeah, innovation. So she was kind of one of the persons in charge of that, you know, and so she was there fairly often. Um, mm-hmm. So I met her then, and just you know just listening to her she I mean she's just on top of everything she's she's you, you ask her something she knows she knows what's going on and she doesn't know she'll find out you know and um and after that program uh i i was asked to interview well i was asked to apply for a job because berkeley was doing something uh they were being consultants on this project to build a school in gabon uh-huh and um so they asked me to 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 apply to be the director of that program. Uh, so I had to, I was working closely with Camille with that as well. Um, program did, didn't work did, out. Up, did, oh, it didn't. It, yeah. <laughs> you know, we've, we've all had like in, in this business, we've all had things that we really, really learn from. And it's, they're usually horrible. <laughs> they're, they're usually just horrible experiences. I mean, I've had my share. Um, I know you've had your share. Anyone who's in this business long enough will have their share of horrible experiences. But yeah. they're, of course, bounced out by the you know the wonderful people that you meet and the wonderful experiences you have. True. So, That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Right. So I, I mentioned to you before we we started the interview that you know the the my viola teacher, the person who taught me viola before I even went to to Berkeley. Yeah, he used to send students. Uh, to the Interlochen Academy, to the to the summer camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it, it's for me when I heard you were going to Interlochen, that kind of, you know, had a little made me feel like I had a connection somehow, even though I didn't go. But you know, it's <laughs> like, yeah, well, I've heard about that before. Yeah, that's awesome. So oh, yeah. But 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 they never had a, a a technology department before. No, they never did. 
they never did. There is a little bit of technology on campus in that um, the school has an um, a public radio station, Interlock and Public Radio. And so okay. they do have some recording there. They also have a really great crew at Interlock and Presents, and that is a group that um, puts on live shows um, for the entire community at all the venues that we have on campus. But oh. no, before I came here, there was zero, um, there was not a music production and engineering program. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was hired to create the program. They actually built the studio. And after they built the recording studio, they thought, you know, we have the facilities to teach this. Right. Why don't we teach it? And so uh, luckily, luckily they, they brought me on. So here I am. So 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 you so when you got there there was a studio what did you what did you have to create like you know even from structure or you know to bring in what what else did you have to fill in Well the room was built um the equipment um needed to be revamped it wasn't the right equipment they had a bunch of live uh live equipment in there Oh I see mm-hmm. but the room itself um was designed by Walter Stork the same company that did read redid the studios at Berkeley College of Music. Um, And they've done a bunch of professional recording studios. It's a wonderful sounding studio, um, but it just didn't have the right equipment in it. So we're actually in the process of of, uh, refitting the studio with the right equipment. We've got an Avid S3 in there. Um, We've got a bunch of good preamps, some Neves, APIs, some Mm -hmm. uh, Shadow Hills, some... uh, a bunch of different stuff, um, compressors, outboard compressors. And, you know, I, I know that a lot of people teaching technology are like, why are you using old gear? Why are you getting the physical, actual physical mechanical compressors? Why don't you just teach them the plugins? That and was a different sound, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's not just a different sound. It, it is a different feel. Like when you're listening to a vocal and you're turning a knob and mm-hmm. you're trying to ad- adjust the attack setting on your compressor to match your vocalist, you know, right. to give them just the right amount of bite, you, that is really hard to do on a plug-in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. so much easier when you have your fingers on the knob the and it's like, you, yeah. yeah, you go a little too far. It's like, oh, that doesn't sound right. And you just turn it mm-hmm. back a little bit. It's, um, it's, uh, you know, there's an extra step in the plugin. Right. When you, right. when you are doing it with the actual piece of machinery, you just grab it and turn and, you know, and turn it back with a, with the plugin, you have to grab your mouse. You have to look at the screen. You have to align your arrow, click, hold, move the knob, disconnect from all the stuff you've done and listen to it objectively and then you have to do all those steps again to turn it back down. Right. And in that amount of time, there's something that changes. Like, it, it's not the same. So I want the students to be able to have the same um, aha moments that I had when I was learning how a compressor worked. And in order to, for that to happen, it's got to be on a real piece of equipment. Same thing with preamps, same thing with EQs, limiters, you know, whatever, distortion pedals. I right. want I want the kids to be able to have that experience. So. I went I visited Berkeley uh, a couple of years ago, you know, to 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 see the new the new music synth, the new studios but also the new music music synth labs and stuff. So I was, I oh, yeah. was with the with the uh with the the chair with the, I think it was Michael Birolo. Mm-hmm. And um, and he was saying the same thing, you know. He's like, you know, you, you can get all this, um, all these uh, modular synth stuff as as uh, as software now, as plugins, but it's it's not the same. It doesn't feel the same. It doesn't sound the same. And so you ne- you need that the physical thing for you to make that that touch connection, and for what you touch and what you what you turn, what you twist, what you push. To make a connection with your ear and with your with your with your feeling with your everything, you know. Yes. So, uh, it, what you're saying makes complete sense to me. It's also a lot easier to make a mistake when you are touching real gear. Like there's no uh, there's no undo in the real world. Like for right. a lot of things, um, you know, if you're recording to tape or if you are, let's say you're just grabbing something and spinning the wheel really quick or pressing in a button that you, you know, or like trying a certain, a different setting that you normally wouldn't use um, for whatever you're recording. I think that it's a lot 
faster uh, the process of experimentation when you've got the real gear. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. So, okay. So there, there's a studio, but uh, are, are, are the students now expected to have their own, you know, like, like at Berkeley, you know, their own laptop and their own interface and their own software. Is yes. that part of the, the package as well? Yes. Every student has a laptop and every student is required to get a subscription to Pro Tools. That's kind of like their textbook uh, fee, right, you know, right. as it were. But yeah. um, it's not just technical stuff that we're teaching. I mean, I want them to know signal flow and I want them to know basic acoustics. I want them to know how a microphone works and why this room sounds bad and this room sounds good and why phase cancellation makes guitar sound weird. And mm. um, I want them to know all that stuff. But um, I also want to them to know that they're going to Interlochen and this is a, a music school that's known for its artistry. And right. so I want them to really think about things from a creative standpoint. We have, um, we have programming um, assignments that they have to do every week um, about different prompts. I might give them a color and say, okay. make a song that sounds like this color. Or I might give them real publishing prompts or give them a film clip and say, score this, score this three minute clip and take your visual cues from what you take your audio cues from what you see on the screen. Okay. Take your tempo from the screen, take what Mm. instruments you choose from the screen, take how empty or how busy or whatever it is from whatever you see. Um, I want them to stretch their minds creatively Um, to that end. They can use whatever programming um, DAW that they want. They can program on Logic, on Ableton, Fruity Loops, whatever reason. Okay. But I want them to record and do all their mixing on Pro Tools. Two reasons okay. for that. Number one is that programming is very personal. And yeah. yeah, and if you find something that you work well on, I want you to keep working on that. Okay. Um, but the second thing is everyone has to know Pro Tools because regardless of where you go in the world, Pro Tools is a standard for recording right. studios worldwide. And yeah. so I want my students to be able to walk into any studio in the world and you know pick up the reins of a session if they need to. Mm-hmm. Not just and and not just from a creative standpoint, although I'd say that it's the curriculum is about 50% creative and 50% technical. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's what's the response been from the students? It has been terrific. I just got my reviews, my class reviews back. Oh, and cool. It looks like I'm doing well. That everyone is, you know, I got a couple comments saying like I I I um I use everything that you taught me in class. I don't feel like anything is useless, which okay. is good uh, because I'll tell you that there were some courses when I was learning this where I thought I'm never going to need this mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's one thing about interlocking too, because it's a private high school. Um, a lot of times people will just come like for their junior, from their junior year on or from their senior year on. Oh, okay. So we may not have them for a full four years. Mm-hmm. I tell you, if, if, um, if any of you are out there listening and you're thinking about coming to the interlock and MPE program for four years, you're going to know as much as me. When you get, when you you're gonna have all the technical knowledge, maybe not all the experience, but I'll give you what I can. But right. people who come to Interlocking for four years for this music production engineering program, I tell you, they're gonna come out with a with a huge education. I'm really proud of what we're building. That's awesome. That's that's great. That's great. Yeah. We also oh, have a camp, oh, by the way. Did I did I tell yeah, you that? Yeah, we've tell got tell a camp? us about the camp. Yeah, tell us about the camp. Well, actually, it um, normally. There's so Interlochen has had this camp um, since 1928, where all these kids from all around the world come to Interlochen and learn, including Jamaica, including Jamaica. <laughs> yes, there's even a place um, on campus where the flags of every country that's represented at camp fly, and it's 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 a lot. Um, however, because of COVID um, this year, there is no camp, and Interlochen is offering an online um, kind of thing. Actually, by the time this thing airs, um, registration will be over, but I'll tell you about it anyway. Okay. Um, it's just like an online camp where people can um, take 
three hour lessons with me, actually two one and a half hour lessons every day for three weeks Whoa. with myself and with um, Janine Cowan, who is uh, a professor of film scoring at Berkeley. Um, mm. And also with Jonathan Perkins, who's the assistant chair of the songwriting department at Berkeley. Oh, cool. Um, so it's a pretty good program and, um, we've got a whole lot of interest. We've got over 30 people signed up, so it's going to be a really fun, um, what are the, what are the ages? Yep. It, it, we teach intermediate and high school. So intermediate is like seventh, eighth, ninth grade. And then, um, the high school or the, you know, the advanced is like, uh, 10th, 11th, 12th grade. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're awesome. going to cover a lot. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Nice. Uh, and it starts when? It starts on June 29th, and it runs all the way through July 19th. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And we're going to be having a bunch of great people talk at this camp. We're having Ma- Maggie Rogers is talking uh, to the students. Um, Sharon Van Etten is talking to the students. Wynton Marsalis is talking to the students. Um uh, Sam Ashworth, we have scheduled the same guy who, uh, who right. you know, who was nominated for the Grammys this yeah. year for Song of the Year and Record of the Year. So, yeah. And this is all going to be online. Everything's online. We're doing everything yeah. via um, Zoom and Canvas. I don't know if you're familiar with Canvas. Do you use I've Canvas? I've heard of it. Yeah, um, yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, but it will. Oh. It it's going to be it's going to be terrific. It's going to be terrific. Okay. I'm really looking forward to it. How, they, how have they been managing with uh, teaching teaching instrumental classes online? What I mean, what what do they use? Um, well, I'd say that it varies. Um, most everyone uses Zoom just for the um, just for the um, uh, the instructional conversational part of a lesson. Okay, but um, sometimes. Teachers will um, use different programs like, uh, oh, I can't even remember any of the programs that they're using for for um, better sound quality. But um, yeah, some stu- some teachers will actually ask their students to record a quick okay. MP3 and send it back, and then they can give feedback on it. I see. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you when you went to Interlochen though, because it as a school that never had any um any mu- music production program, mm-hmm. and a lot of the music instruction that they had there was is it was it mostly classical, or was it a mix or? It was a mix. I'll tell you that um, the we there is a um, contemporary music department that is chaired by a woman named Courtly. Courtney Kaiser Sandler, who is amazing, she is okay. a great songwriter in her own right. Has performed with um, with John Cougar Mellencamp and with mm-hmm. you know she's and she is actually an alumnus of the academy. Okay, and um, she's put together uh, along with um, with Kyle Novi, another um, great instructor there, and a bunch of other teachers, a really really terrific contemporary music program. Um, okay. where they teach songwriting, they teach performance, um, ensemble playing. They mm. um, And there's a great um, jazz program that's headed up by Bill Sears here. And um, yeah, so the contemporary music department was here. The, it's just okay. that the technical side was not being addressed. So when so when you got there, what, I mean, was there any resistance to the, the tech stuff or were they just like really excited for you to be there? Or was you it know, mixed? if there was resistance, I didn't feel it. I felt nothing okay. but love since I've been up here. That's yeah, great. It That's has, great. People are, are excited for the program, um, not just the faculty and the staff um, and the existing students, but also people who have been interested in going to Interlochen but felt that it, 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 they wanted something more contemporary to study. Gotcha. Um, yeah, we've gotten a lot of interest in the program, and I, I, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for the future of it. Oh, that's awesome. How, yeah. how, how is your, how is your family adjusting to, to the new? Oh man. So, okay, you're gonna understand this because you're from Jamaica, and it's hot in yeah. Jamaica. So. <laughs> yeah. But but Mark, I love the cold. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> I love the cold too. I love the cold. Yeah. But um, so we, but you know, we're used to 
summers being really burning hot, like okay. 90, 95, 100, 105. That's what we're used to in Tennessee. Right. Today it was 82 mm-hmm. and it felt really, 82 felt really cold. Oh, wow. Okay. But we're, we're working on it. We're adjusting. We realize it's our first, our first, um, you know, our first year here. It's a hard adjustment for my wife who's lived in Tennessee her entire life. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Um, but it seems to be pretty easy for my daughter Sunday. I mean, like I said, she's only two. She is, she just knows, oh, this is fun. This is where mommy right. and daddy are. We're going to, enjoy ourselves. And so she's jumping into Lake Michigan, <laughs> which is still like 50 degrees. It's really what? cold. Oh yeah. She's jumping into the lake and splashing around and, wow. you know, yeah. Dad okay. can't hang. Dad cannot hang. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do so it. So your, your wife, uh, her name is Dana, right? Dana. Yes. Dana. Yes. Dana Grace wow. LaQuesta. Yes. Ah, cool. So, uh, uh, so has she taken her business with her? Her, the, the, the interior design. She actually had a job up here before I did. What? Yeah. Okay. So what happened was I started interviewing for this job and um, my wife said, well, um, if you're going to start applying to all these jobs, I guess I had better start applying too. And mm-hmm. so she applied to um, this company up here that makes um, custom homes. Okay. Um, and it, building materials called Preston Feather, and they needed an interior designer. And they saw her CV and her portfolio, and they loved what she had done. And so she got her job before I got my job, which is great. Wow, look at that. Wow. Yeah. But um, here's another thing, too. She started doing these video clips um, about helping um, people find – small little like helping people have like their small little victories in interior design for themselves like wherever they were you know doing little things in their house or like you know and um those clips were picked up by a local television station and so she's had maybe 10 or 15 of them on local television so she's a little bit of a Local television personality. Now. Oh wow, oh, that's great! <laughs> I know I'm small beans compared to my wife, so yeah, th- things are working out, man. That's great. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So, yeah. Oh wow, that's awesome. Okay, so what 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 do you? So uh, what this looks like a big project now that's ahead of you. I mean, kind of outfitting uh, the the high school and and developing all these the courses and stuff because mm-hmm. you, you've started, but you know there's more to go, right? Oh, there's quite a bit more to go. Um, There is so much to teach these kids. There's so much. And so what I'm doing right now by putting it together is I'm kind of uh, I'm, I'm kind of triaging a little bit. Like I'm, I'm taking the information and saying, this is the most important. If you only have a year with me, this is what you have to know. And then after that, it's not like any piece of information that I'm teaching is less important. Mm -hmm. It's, it might just be, it might be just as important, but it doesn't come up as often. Okay. So for example, like, um, we have a class uh, coming up next year for ensemble recording. Like it's not very often in this day and age that you're recording a five piece band. Okay. Um, usually someone will make a track and then people will add to it. Or even right. one person will make the whole track and the other person will write a top line, right? Right, right. Um, however, the mechanics of a ensemble, of recording an ensemble, um, the techniques and even the unsaid rules of okay. doing it as far as like socially or whatever, that's mm-hmm. really important stuff to know when you're recording a band or when you're recording right. an ensemble. Um, it may not come up as much as track and top line, but it will come up. And if it does, I don't want my students to be unprepared for it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, right. So the people who are in the program longer are definitely going to get a more in-depth and uh, in-depth education. But the people who are in it for a year are definitely going to get what they need to know out of it. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, and the thing is, you you never know. You, you really never know. I mean, someone in this program could leave and eventually start their own band and want to record their own band. And right, right. Know, you never, you really never know. 
I had four students this year. It was kind of the soft opening. It, we weren't officially open as a as a major. We weren't officially okay. a music production engineering um, major. But all four of these students I see making noise in the music industry. They are all four of them are driven. All four of them are wildly talented. And um, if that is um, kind of like a taste of things to come at Interlochen. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to be churning out some amazing, amazing artists. That, I really, I really believe that. Yeah. Uh, that's really cool. Ooh, wow. I know this sounds like a commercial, but I'm just so, I'm excited, man. <laughs> no, I, I understand. I understand I'm really there. excited. Yeah. That's awesome. So what, what else? Cause, uh, uh, yeah. What, 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 what else is on the horizon? Do you think? Um, well, let's see. You know, um, I'm I'm actually working on a project. You know, you were talking about like you um, you are writing a book. Yes. Earlier, like when we were talking, just yeah. So um, it's the I actually am taking a stab at writing a book, and it is, which is why I kind of like empathize. Uh, I could I could empathize with you or sympathize with you about how difficult it is to write a book. Right. Um, uh, but I'm writing a textbook for uh, like a beginner's textbook for music production and engineering along with one of my friends who teaches music production and engineering at Rochester um, community uh, community college in Minnesota. He's an engineer named Aaron Shannon and we actually work together in Nashville. Um, The thing that's different about this book is that um, it's going to be geared towards high schoolers. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> because high schoolers are 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 different to teach than college kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. Th- there's just a different. They've got a lot. They've got different things on their mind, and so um, you know you, it's also a little bit harder to keep their attention. Right. And so, yeah, I think it's if there's any if there's such a thing as a laid back textbook, I think we're writing it. Well, I mean, I'm, there's a there's a place for it. So yes, 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 excellent. <laughs> yeah, I I I mean, I, I probably <laughs> probably edit this part out too. But um, I <laughs> I because of the the I started at, at Edna Manley. I started a few courses. Like uh, me and a friend, we wrote four music technology courses, and I started a performance lab as well. Mm-hmm. So the performance lab has become something more because the. The, the students in in year three and year four have to do the performance students uh, have to do concerts at the end of year three and another one at the end of year four. Mm-hmm. The year three concert is about a half an hour. Year four is closer to an hour. Wow! So that's a lot of music. <laughs> that's a lot of music. Yeah. So they have to plan their their you know their their entire show, and uh, so the performance lab kind of prepares them for that. So I mean, apart from bringing their the things that they're working on and getting critiqued. You know, by the by, their fellow students and myself, um, each week they also get workshops. I've you know I've designed it so they have workshops on how to do a stage plot or you know how to do a, how to create an input list, how to um to 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 draft a writer for your yeah. band or you know um also to prepare a press kit. Um, we talk about what you're wearing on stage, which you know this is uh, great. Yeah, so I did a manual. <laughs> well, actually, because I was leaving, um, because I was leaving to go to France to do that thing, mm-hmm. I wrote a manual for the for the teachers so that someone else could teach it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I even go through like scripting your own show. Um, so you know how how to put a script together that has cues for projection, for lighting, for uh, that kind of stuff. Was so, the last chapter of your manual how to write a manual for your class? <laughs> <laughs> it should have been. But I think I'm going to turn the manual into a book as well because, I oh, mean, it's there. Great. It's just to, to translate it into into that. Because it's stuff that people who are planning their own shows, whether they're in school or not, yeah. they could use, you know? All this stuff that you talked about reminds me of that cla- like the classes like in our economics class in high school. We learned like we had a fake checkbook. We had to balance uh, yeah. a checkbook. It it seemed like such a mundane task, mm-hmm. but I'm so glad I had that class because it was, even though it was just basics, it was basics that I didn't know. That mm-hmm. sounds like everything that you had in that manual, everything that you taught in that class. How yeah. to how to construct a rider? Come on, right. like the, these kids are. That's awesome that you're yeah. teaching them how to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so this is a very this is in this sense 
what you're working on and what I'm working on are very similar in that I want everyone to be versed in a lot of different things. That's so right. So there are there's the days of people just being engineers, just mm-hmm. being producers, just being songwriters, just being programmers. Those those days are are dying. Yep, and yep. um if you are a producer, you better know how to write a song. You better have something to give to the song or you better be able to make a basic track and have someone else help you with the programming or exactly. you should be able to cut a vocal. Yeah. Everything's yeah. all mixed together now. And that's right. I think that's another part of what I'm trying to get across at Interlochen is that you need to know a whole lot of things before you can, you know, make a go of it in the music industry. Right. And, and and even if you don't know, you need to kind of know how to teach yourself stuff or know how, how you're going to get that knowledge. Because there's ways, you know, and, and but the, the principles, you need to at least kind of be aware of what the principles are for the mm-hmm. thing that you, so you can teach yourself. And right. it's, it's similar with the, with the, with the music tech classes that, 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 that I wrote. It's just, it's for them to, and always the, you know, the singers are afraid to, to, to touch an instrument. And I was like, you know, you can't be afraid of an instrument. This is this is like an entry. You know, this is your data entry as a keyboard. <laughs> so you can <laughs> right. stuff you know, in, into the into the, the computer. Absolutely. Um, don't be afraid. Just make mistakes. That's how you're going to learn. Uh, and so again, the resistance. But uh, and and I try to you know say okay, you know this song that you're creating, you can put it in your show, and you can then use some technology in your performance, and you can do some live looping, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. But it's to, it's just for them to 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 kind of buy into the the bigger vision of what they could be, right? Uh, you know, and sometimes it takes a while. I saw some of the live looping stuff that you were doing at uh, Valencia. Yes, it was intense, dude. It was great. It was really ah, really great. You. Yeah. Thank you. Are you performing at all out there? I am. I am. I just I haven't been. I'm, I'm actually I'm thinking of doing a like a Zoom concert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. on Facebook or something. So um, uh, once I'm done my grading, which I, I've kind of finished on Tuesday, but I, I'm in charge of the performance division, so I still have some other people to to follow up follow mm-hmm. up with. But yeah. Uh, yeah, once I'm done with that, I might I might do a a, a one hour kind of a live concert. Oh yeah, that'd be great. You know, from my from my house. Well, <laughs> we will home. we will tune in. Awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah, depending on what time it is, but I'm pretty yeah. sure that we'll be able to make it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Mark, oh my god, I think, I think, I think we need to wrap it up. But um, I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad you did this. Yeah, so glad, so glad you, you stayed up. Oh man, <laughs> and spoke with me. It was great Mike, catching I, up with you. Yeah. Oh, it's great catching up with you too. I um, I hope you got something. <laughs> I hope you got oh, something yeah. usable. Yeah, I don't even know. Like sure. you know, this is this just really felt like a like, um, you know, just catching up. Except We're hanging out, like, right, right, right? Yeah, yeah. Except. Well, I mean, um, I started. I started doing this podcast, I mean, for a few reasons. Um, I wanted to share some stories that people wouldn't normally hear. Uh, you know, stories of uh, of people who are doing other technology or... or it, 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 a lot of it's music, but it's, it's arts generally, because I've spoken to dancers, I've spoken to theater practitioners, mm-hmm. uh, and some of it's inspirational as well. But I just wanted to share people's stories, uh, because I think everybody's story is important, somehow. And and it's tough to learn from everybody's experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's on one hand. On the other hand, I'm doing a lot of stuff with, as I said before, like you know, a lot of Jamaican, uh, like I guess veteran Jamaican performers, reggae performers, and stuff, yeah. trying to get their story because there's a lot of misinformation out there. Yeah, so, and it's probably great information for your online course as well. Definitely, yeah. it will be. It will be. But it's it's, it's it will be a great resource just for anyone. You know, to to be able to to listen to a, okay, let me listen to this podcast, and you get some historical information and from you know the quote unquote horse's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, so but yeah, so this this was this was awesome, and I, I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Michael, thank you again for asking me to do this. It's always a pleasure just talking to you and hanging out, and I love the podcast. I've really enjoyed the ones that I've listened to. So uh, thank you, man. Yeah, thank I think you. you're onto something. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll we'll talk some more soon enough. Awesome. Good. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Thanks again, Mark. Yeah. Talk to you soon, Mike. All right, bro. Bye.